Welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast, a podcast from the home of Scrum. In this podcast, we feature professional Scrum trainers and other Scrum practitioners sharing their stories and experiences to help learn from the experience of others. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast. I'm your host today, Patricia Kong. Today, we have two professional Scrum trainers, Gladia Califano. Claudia is based in the UK, and we also have Todd Miller, who's based in Pennsylvania in the United States. All right, so uh, a little bit of background for you today, listeners. At Scrum.org, we've been focusing on how we can help individuals um, on Scrum and Agile teams develop their skills. So as individuals, what could they do um, to get better? So we've been thinking about this, and I reached out to, what, Claudia Todd earlier in the year, probably earlier this year, and said, Ah, we we need to try to really help people um, figure out how they can work a little bit more effectively with their teams. And what do you do when that person's just even starting on their journey? So I know that I reached out and we were talking and then we started talking about, you know, one of the most underrated skills, one of the most underrated techniques and tools and principles is facilitation. Um, So we started thinking about that. um, And lo and behold, we created a course. Um, so that's really cool. We have a one-day course or eight-hour course um, that's out there. So today, I get to talk to them, the co-creators of the course, who worked obviously a lot with other Scrum.org professionals from trainers and, and even outside of the community. Um, but today, I really want to take that time, pick your brains, um, and I will be trying to get your best tips, your mistakes, your worst mistakes out of you. And um, what you think that we should be really focused on and working on with teams in terms of facilitations. So, hey, Todd and Gladia. Hi. 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 All Hi. right. So <laughs> before we get started, speaking of underrated, I promise this to both of you. And in terms of facilitation, here's a little something that I'd like to ask for. Todd, give me 15 seconds of your best rant right now when you think about facilitation. What's, what's that? Okay, I got one. Um, I don't think we've discussed this one before. Uh, so um, my best rant, 15 seconds, is that only a scrum master needs facilitation skills. Everybody talks about how a scrum master needs to be a, a great facilitator, but I'll tell you what, as a product owner, having facilitation skills as a, a previous product owner in the past, you need them. Rant, end. That was a rant. It sounded like a great teaching moment. Teaching moment. <laughs> okay, Miss Claudia, <laughs> your 15 second rant about facilitation, go. Um, all right, my rant is about that I do see um, a lot of over facilitation or facilitation just for the sake of it, and that people just come out of, of let's say, a scrum event, and actually there's no action coming out of a retro, or you don't meet the outcome, but people just facilitate things without understanding why it sounds a lot it made me think of flaccid facilitation is yeah. like there's a lot that we could do and then you just kind of don't follow up and it, and it just dies and then yours is a great myth so why don't we get started um todd with with yours why and why do you think people think that scrum masters are the ones that should be facilitating why are the scrum masters the one that invests in it the most um, you know, I'm not really sure. I, I know that a scrum master as a facilitator is a stance that's been uh, written about quite a bit and has been really documented. And I, I, I don't disagree that I think a scrum master needs to have um, a good amount of facilitation skills. 
then I start to think about and put myself in situations that I've been in in the past as a product owner with stakeholders that don't quite disagree um, with having attended a million meetings that have no purpose and offer no outcomes kind of to like Gladia's rant was all about. Uh, and I think about how one of the most under um, leveraged scrum events, the sprint review, uh, is oftentimes just a meaningless PowerPoint presentation where Ouch. nobody talks and everybody leaves. So that's been a rant I've <clears throat> kind of been rolling with for about a year now. Um, but you know, I, I, I know I mentioned product owner here, but I, I just think about how useful the skill of facilitation is to a product owner in what um, a lot of my career has been the most dicey situations for me have been when I was a product owner. Um, and it really helped to have some facilitation uh, skills uh, at, the, at those moments. So for both of you then, um, I'm just wondering if you are coaching a team or you're on a team, you're scrum master, developer, product owner, and you see that it's always a scrum master who's facilitating, what, what suggestions would you have to, to kind of loosen that up? Where would you have that conversation? First reaction is a really good scrum master is going to maybe re recognize the fact that they're facilitating too much and offer developers the opportunity to facilitate their own retrospectives, right? That's awesome. What if you're not a very good scrum master? <laughs> <laughs> right? Then, <laughs> then uh, I mean, so developers and product owner, you own the process too. So step in and offer to facilitate. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe if it's uh, if the, I, I, we've we haven't done the rant yet which I think we'll probably get to Gladia about facilitating and participating, right? Um, that this is something that, that, this is something that we've had a lot of conversations on and we get a lot of Rosh's like reactions to that you can't facilitate and participate. People, people think you can, we don't think so necessarily, but my, my reaction is like, everybody owns the process. It's not just the scrum master that, you know, that is running around scheduling events. I, I don't That's know. That's a good reminder. That's a good reminder. Gabriel, what are you thinking? Uh, the only thing, well, the thing of that I think of is that people just, first of all, make people aware of it, that it's not just a scrum master job. And I think, you know what <laughs> no, I mean? It's like, here, here's actually what you do. Just, <laughs> no, just no, 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 no. Just, 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 just talk. <laughs> no, or, or, you know, it's not the scrum, only the scrum master who facilitates. So I just make people aware of it. I've worked with a lot of um I think there's different as well. I've worked a lot of, with a lot of developers who, for example, have a community of practice and you have developers then facilitating that community of practice for the development people. Uh, UX the same. So I think people actually do facilitate already uh, within companies. I think it's just to reiterate that when it comes to a scrum team or the scrum events, that that can be done as well. That's true. Um, all right, all right. So over to your rant, Claudia. And then, of course, Todd brought up some more, but I, I know people are looking to see where facilitation is appropriate. And so you talked, you brought up in your rant kind of this misplaced intent. There were a couple of things like, you know, we just think that facilitation is, is I go there, I do some something, and then I leave and that's it. You know, the, the event is over, that's cool. What, um, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about this in terms of like liberating structures? Are you thinking about this in terms of um, just not being prepared and understanding what facilitation is? What, what causes people to just kind of, oh, I'll try something, but I did my job and just walk away? I think, I think we sometimes um, just get very hung up on techniques and formats 
And there are some really awesome, for example, retrospective uh, uh, formats. There are some awesome formats there. But what I do see is then you that sometimes we run into this mechanical way. We use the format, but not really understanding why. Uh, or we use a certain technique, but we don't really understand why, what, what the benefits are of this, using that particular technique. What do we want to get out of it? And then we lose track of the outcome um, of the event, for example, as well, because we're so busy doing this awesome format and these awesome techniques that we just actually forget, you know, it's more about the outcome, facilitating people to a shared outcome and objective. Um, and I think that's the, the thing that we need to bring it back to a bit more. So yeah, awesome techniques that can help you. Um, but I think always keeping an eye on that objective, what you want to come out with, I think is probably more important. That's really something to, to explore a little bit because there's a danger in that. So it's like, oh, we're trying to have fun. And then I have talked to um, several, well, it's actually in two camps. I've talked to engineers and I've talked to managers. I don't know, Todd, if you've had these conversations too where they're just like, uh-uh, it's just that the, those, I am not, why can't we, what is this? Why do we need to have this facilitated again? What are we doing with this one, two, four all, or this 35 or the 25% or all these things? And I think that that's what happens when we don't think about the outcome. So they've experienced, and experienced these things and then it kind of just falls through and they feel like they're just playing games and they're not really interested in that, so. I think I think facilitation is not just going out and collecting a whole bunch of different techniques that you can pull out of your hat um, at any given moment to, to Claudia's um, kind of whole point here, right? Like you can go into a retrospective and you can talk about your missing taco ingredient, right? Um, and, and, and not really come out with anything but more than we're going to do better next time, right? So it's like a, and I'm not, I'm not busting on Taco Tuesday. It's just a, it's just a, speaking to that. Um, but I, you know, I, I've gone into something like a retrospective with very little format in mind, but a few ideas of things that I felt like um, that, that you, there was things happening with tension on the team. Right. And so like, you can have a loose format, but it's the way that you kind of ask questions and I don't want to say lead. Um, I don't necessarily know that that's true, but kind of just be able to pivot the conversation so that people are getting out what they need to get out, right? And that you're also um, coming out with an output that isn't just, let's be better. Right? Mm. So um, let's talk about this then really quickly. Good versus bad facilitation. You know it when you're experiencing it. What, um, Claudia, to you is an example because you, you just brought up one example, like we don't have next steps. What else is bad facilitation look like? Um, I think it comes back a bit about the mechanics again, just running through the mechanics. Um, but also I think pushing, like pushing people through, you know, if you're biased, for example, and pushing people through a certain, you know, solution that you want. You know what I mean? Instead of actually, you know, getting the, the team to explore towards, mm. and towards an outcome. So I think pushing your own ideas. Um, and one really simple one that I make myself so guilty of, um, like often is um, 
I think you need to be, be comfortable with silence and especially in a virtual space. And sometimes we just jump in too quickly, but just, I think, leave that silence for people to explore as well. That, that's a hard one, but yes, yes. Um, so you tapped on the elephant in the room. All right, so um, Todd, you talked about this. Uh, when you are facilitating, can you participate? That's the whole notion of facilitation and neutrality, I think. We talk about that for coaching also, coaching and neutrality. Um, all right, so if I'm a scrum master and I am in the sprint retrospective, I'm facilitating the sprint retrospective. Am I neutral? Am I, do I keep, do I stay back and go, hey guys, a little, little PDCA, a little, let's do a fish, uh, what is that thing called, fishbone? What, uh, what do you guys think about um, the notion of, facilitation neutrality when you think about that in terms of the scrum team and how it might be somebody on the scrum team who's facilitating that conversation. Uh, I, I think that when it comes to participating and facilitating at the same time, that it's impossible to do without coercing. Um, so to Claudia's point, uh, Claudia, you were mentioning earlier that um, you can mold uh, your facilitation stance into the outcome that you are expecting um, or that you want. I think that facilitating and participating at the same time uh, is, is impossible um, to, to, to do that without coercing. Um, I, and I'm saying that from my experience, me doing it, because I've made mistakes there before. I'm like, this is what I want out of this retrospective. So I'm going to facilitate and then I'm going to steer it with my participants. Tell us how you did that. Tell, 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 tell us and our friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, I can think of a particular time um, when there was um, when there was uh, tension between two teammates, and um, I basically did everything I could to set up the tension between those two mates, two teammates, and have them call it out to one another and come up with, with a resolution for it. And the resolution that I wanted was that they would work together on things more, right? Um, that they would pair a program because I felt like that was a good idea for how they could potentially resolve it. And I steered them down that path. And then I got to listen to days of them arguing while they're pair programming together, <laughs> right? But I thought I was being sneaky and, and really getting them to, you know, pair program, offer these things up. And, and so like I had a, I was a scrum master and I had a retrospective and I was doing it. This is coming to mind. I remember that I still remember this was like yesterday, but it was, it was many years ago. Um, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um thanks so for that's kind of coercive right it's like me being yeah i mean just picturing it like don't you think you yeah, yeah. anyways claudia uh -huh. what uh what about you in terms of what is your opinion about about facilitation and participation neutrality especially on a scrum team i think for me it's a quite a difficult one for on the scrum team just purely because of course if you look you know at the retrospective where the whole scrum team you know, will participate. Um, but I do think you just need, I think for me, it's more being aware of the trade-offs like Todd mentions, mentioned. So um, actually I've seen Todd in action doing it quite well, where he, for example, said when he was facilitating a retrospective or facilitating an event where he said, I put my scrum master hat now on. Mm -hmm. And then 10 minutes later he says, I'm now going to put my developer hat on. So, and I think that was quite a good, I think you did that very well, Todd. So I think that was a very good compromise. I think you just need to think of the trade-offs that that it had that it brings. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the 
things. So yeah, so I'm a bit on the, you know, on the fence as long as you're aware and you have the trade-offs on it. Um, so. Mm, mm. Um, all right. Well, congratulations, Todd, on being a great communicator. Uh, yeah. The, the one you. time I did something okay this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so this class, this course that, that, um, that we, we launched um, professional scrum facilitation skills is really taking this notion of facilitation and saying in a scrum team, in a scrum environment, through all the different venues, how can we apply facilitation? Because I know we've talked about sometimes it's just a little bit of a better facilitation would be more effective. And I know that there's the opinion of it's a small team. Why do you need that? Why do you need that? And the person facilitating is probably just the person who can't do the work. So, you know, when we think about that, I would love to know um, from your experiences and Todd, let's, let's start with you because you and I have argued about 50 scenarios like this of, of our experiences. What is something where you've seen something just go off the rails and not work well in a scrum team um, or at a, at a scrum event? And what did you do or what did you observe maybe the scrum master do during the, you know, from a facilitator stance, what happened that, that changed it? Yeah, I feel like we've been talking about sprint retrospectives quite a bit. So I think I'll, I think I'll maybe we can use a sprint review, right? Um, and so like a sprint review, uh, that I, I can think of this happening uh, many times. Um, and, uh, but I, I can think of one particular instance where in a sprint review, there was a set agenda, right? We're gonna talk about A, then B, then C, then D, then E. And um, honestly, it, it, it was a little bit of always being married to the agenda that caused stakeholders not to participate until uh, a stakeholder that really was uh, um, the person that held the purse strings a lot in this mm -hmm. instance lost it. And we're like, what are you doing? They're like, I don't see this is not this. All of this seems like you're going in the wrong direction. I don't even know why we have these meetings because you don't listen anyway. And, it, and um, in that particular instance, the, the whole scrum team froze. They were not expecting that at all. They were caught off guard with it. The product owner was caught off guard with it. The scrum master was caught off guard with it. And it was just like dead and utter silence. And then the meeting was like adjourned because of it. And so that was like an instance where I think had a person, maybe, maybe including myself, maybe I should have taken action. I was an advocate coach in that regard. Maybe I should have stopped, put my facilitation pants on and done something about it, but instead it was just decided to adjourn the meeting and really one-on-one -on -one conversations and unproductive things were happen. I mean, productive things and unproductive things happen, but I think in that very moment, that was an opportunity that was missed for someone to step in and facilitate and maybe drive to an outcome like misaligned expectations were there, something was going on, things weren't transparent. And rather than just trying to follow an agenda and because the agenda was kind of thrown uh, a, a wrench at it, uh, it just was like, okay, well, the meeting's over now. Um, well, let's, so, so let's get in that time machine, put on your facilitation hat and your facilitation pants. And what would you, what would you have done? Let's try it. This, yeah. this meeting is terrible. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I, I think that it's okay to say, let's take five. Can we take five minutes? Yeah. Um, People don't think of that as facilitation, like just yeah. three. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of that, Claudia? Is that, that's facilitation being yeah, cognizant of when to take five minutes? absolutely taking a break i think is such that's a good environment yeah yeah absolutely yeah 
Well, Maybe yeah. having that person talk with the product owner one-on-one, figure it out, and then come back and just be like, we had a callaway conversation about this. You're right. We're out of alignment. This is what we need to do now. And the alignment and the outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Claudia, what about, what about for you, what Scrum event do you think really could use with some better facilitation? And, and what, what is some easy things for, let's say there, there are, you know, people who are on a scrum team, they're looking for something to fall back on. There's that, that event that's just always painful to go to. What, what, what are your tips for making that a little better? Um, just thinking, um, I, I do agree with Todd, by the way, but the sprint review and my experience that has runs into the most, not, not most problems, but you know what I mean? That you see that it gets misunderstood. I think the next one that can be painful for people, um, sprint planning when it's not facilitated correctly because people go like oh I just have to sit here for hours in a room you know? <laughs> <laughs> which it shouldn't be but you know I do see that I think um sprint planning is, is it's an interesting one I think you can just over plan or completely under plan uh or so I think I think sprint planning okay I started in scrum in 2004 long time ago we would plan we did monthly sprints back then and we would plan everything quite in detail i think over the years sprint planning uh, and planning something for sprint have become so much more lightweight the focus is now very much on the sprint goal and you can just plan in the first few things that you know to get you started into the sprint so i think kind of getting people to understand that they don't have to plan everything in detail you know for the if you have a two-week sprint it also makes people a bit more comfortable as well. So with, you know, things that they're not really, you know, if they know that they don't have to plan in for the, you know, have to know everything in detail, uh, it can flow the conversations a bit better as well. So, so what, would, what would your advice be to someone who, tell me if you've heard this one, I think we've all experienced this, with the sprinkle, everything you get to plan and you think this is going to be great and then people can't even agree, get to a sprinkle, they can't agree. What, what, if we were facilitating that, that planning, what would you do there? Cause that's big one for me. Yeah. I, th- I think I had this. And so one thing that always use, usually works for me is I just usually ask them the question, okay, if this was really one thing, you know, when it really comes to it, when, you know, we come to our two weeks, what is the really one thing that you as a team would collaborate to get over the line? And then you, Fairly honest, nine out of ten times they will come up. The answer will be there, because you you and and you start crafting your sprint goal. So it's more that usually works for me. Um, Todd, I'm wondering this um, as our as we're kind of running out of time is why why facilitation like as a stance like I, I we talked about this is underrated and always there's a lot and it's not bad it's really excellent but a lot of people go oh let's take the coaching stance here which there's a lot of it why how does somebody make that decision when coaching when facilitation when something else you know like how do we how do we we're ultimately just trying to help in terms of helping teams have a little progress, move, to, move toward the goal. What do you think? Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting uh, question. Uh, you know, I w- really wish there's a PST out there that 
that described facilitation to me in a way and I cannot remember it was a face-to-face or something so whoever you are this is stuck in my mind for like many years now I don't remember who it was though (laughs) but what they what they said when they were describing facilitation if you google definition for facilitation it um so I'm looking at the definition of facilitator right now it's a person or thing that makes an action or process easier right and so to, to Claudia, you mentioned before, right? Like when you're going into an event, a, a scrum event, or you're going into a meeting, um, to having explicit inputs and then an output in mind, right? And the idea as a facilitator is to take a stance to make and drive to that output or that outcome and make it easier, right? Make it easier. And that doesn't necessarily mean consensus. It doesn't have to mean consensus. It just means that you've made that event or that meeting, and you've made it easier to come to that conclusion. Um, and and uh, uh, that's that's always really really stuck out to me. I um, the the person that kind of for like just Google the definition for facilitator. It's about making it easier. Um, coaching coaching isn't that right. Uh, coaching isn't going into an event and making it easier to drive to an output or an outcome of that meeting. Um, uh, coaching is not that. Um, coaching it, coaching is a a different stance altogether, right? I'm I'm just rambling at this point. No, I think, uh, yeah, no, that was great. We're giving you that space of silence for us to reflect. No, so facilitation, it comes from, well, in French, facile, right? It makes it easy. So it does, it it is, what can we do to, to make some of those things easier? Um, and no shortcuts too. So, all right. So thank you everyone for today. We really learned about some great techniques from Todd and Gladia, um, some techniques that they wish they applied in the past and some tips on what you can do in the future. I hope this was good um, and useful for our listeners. Thanks for joining today. And also thank you, Todd and Gladia for your time today. I really appreciate it. Um, looking forward to seeing how this class goes, how the, how the course is helpful for people when they think about these different dynamics they face on Agile and Scrum teams. And um, we'll be putting a lot of materials out for everyone to uh, read, watch, consume, share, like. Um, So thank you. That'll be it for me today. To learn more about the new professional Scrum facilitation skills training course, visit scrum.org slash PSFS. Thank you. Thanks, Trish.